0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Matt Ganata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. The Miami Dolphins coming off a 27-24 victory over the New England Patriots, whose dynasty may be coming to a close a little earlier than we all thought. The Patriots limping into the wild card round. They'll take on Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans this coming weekend as they look to advance to the divisional round and then, of course, the conference championship. In the Super Bowl, but this is a Dolphins podcast, so who cares about the Patriots? Just as long as they lose, all will be well. But Ryan Fitzpatrick putting on another clinic: 322, 320 yards in the year, one touchdown, 28 of 41. Patrick Laird, 11 carries for 21 yards, still not the best. Ryan Fitzpatrick almost coming in close to that five carries for 15 yards, averaging 3.0 yards per. Per carry. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a monster. And I sure do hope he comes back. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. Devontae Parker put a clinic on Stefan Gilmore. Eight receptions, 137 yards, 17.1 yards per reception. The guy is an absolute beast. Andrew Van Ginkle playing another key role on the defensive side of the ball. Seven tackles and also had a few nice plays, disrupted the backfield, which led to other players, his teammates, making plays as well. Miami Dolphins finished the season 5-11, and a tremendous accomplishment considering how they started the season and considering how people were saying they were an embarrassment to the NFL, how they were saying that what they are doing is uh, morally reprehensible and that they should be disciplined to the fullest extent, including stripping away draft picks. But how funny is it that teams who are not even trying to tank Finished worse than the Dolphins. The Dolphins will be picking fifth overall in the 2020 NFL Draft. How Sutton? Season's over. Felt like, kind of feels like it just began yesterday, but also feels like it has been one hell of a long season. Stressful season, to say the very least, while we are all hoping for that number one draft pick. It is not here. But the Dolphins have found themselves a head coach in Brian Flores, and in my opinion, that is worth much more than any draft pick, regardless of where it's slotted.
2: Of course, uh, we wouldn't be Dolphins fans if we couldn't celebrate a victory in Foxborough, which we haven't done in a really long time, and then turn around and have our possibly best defender get arrested and fire our offensive coordinator. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind, but uh, kudos to the Dolphins, the, the way that they played against New England. You know, it was one of those games where we just always, uh, had an answer for what new England did. And it seemed like there are plenty of opportunities for new England to break away in that game. But it turns out that the biggest scoring margin in the whole day was after Eric Rose did a pick six against Tom Brady, which hadn't, you know, which hadn't happened ever against the Miami dolphins, uh, and it was such a such a lame throw too. It was so beautiful. Like he threw it in between the two guys and Eric Rowe just kind of just kind of fell right into his right into his chest and just ran it in for a touchdown. So what a gorgeous play. And kudos to the to the way that the Dolphins were resilient through the entire season. That's the type of uh bounce back that you want to be able to see out of players who were getting absolutely crushed across all national media channels. Anybody that had, you know, a a phone was, was lobbing grenades at the dolphins at that point in time. So for them to go through that, by come back, still trust the process and go through everything with the injuries that happened and to be able to win five ball games, Brian Flores did a hell of a job. And I know we'll get to the other things as Avian Howard and the Chad O'Shea thing, uh, But I I think even by that same token that he has my trust right now. So uh, five wins for Brian Flores going into the 2020 NFL draft. I like where we're standing.
0: Are you talking about with that interception in future Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady?
2: Oh, my God, no. Are we going to go there again? Yeah. I I hope
3: not because I think we saw on Sunday that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the superior player at this point, at least – in 2019, I mean, I'd much rather have 2019 Ryan Fitzpatrick over 2019 Tom Brady He threw up an absolute duck there that Eric Rowe picked. I mean, he led the Dolphins in rushing this year, 243 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, the oldest player in NFL history to lead his team in rushing yards. That probably says more about the Dolphins' offensive line than it does Fitzpatrick as a runner, but the guy has the grit. He went out there. He put this team on his back. Ever since he got thrown in there in that Washington game, I mean, the offense was lifted up. He turned Devontae Parker into a 1,200-yard receiver. I mean, what he did to Stephon Gilmore, what many believe to be the best defensive back in football, what many believe. believed to be, you know, defensive player of the year. He had his way with him. Eight receptions, 137 yards, 17.1 yards average reception. I mean, Devontae Parker looks like the number one wide receiver that many people believed he could be when he was drafted. I'm so thankful the Dolphins did not give up on Devontae Parker. When a lot of fans, you know, we turned our back on him. We believed that he was a bust. We had all the reason in the world to believe that. But Devontae Parker grinded hard this offseason with his coaching staff has ascended, and that's just how this entire team is gone. You know, we started out 0-7, things looked bleak as can be. We all thought we were in the running for that number one pick, and the Dolphins went 5-4 towards the end of the year. I mean, you got to tip your hat to Brian Flores, how he has brought this team together. We always make fun of the word, the culture, and, you know, how he wants to get his guys and this and that. I mean, you can clearly see the culture here in Miami. You can clearly see that these guys don't think they are bigger than, you know, the next person beside them. It's unfortunate what happened to Xavier Howard. I mean, he was a superstar on this roster. We will get into that later. We're going to talk about the Chad O'Shea news. I know Kanata has, uh, you know, some inside, uh, some intel there on who might be the next offense coordinator. But overall, I mean, what the Dolphins did this year, they went above and beyond anyone's expectations. They won five games when, again, it looked like they were going to go winless, like they were going to have a chance at that Joe Burrow, that Cincinnati Bengals pick. You know, maybe in the long run, that might be the better way to go. But you can't sit there and look at the Bengals and say they have the right head coach, they have the culture in place, because uh, that would be a lie. I mean, Zach Taylor looks god-awful compared to what Brian Flores has done. Most of the rookie quarterbacks look god-awful compared to what Brian Flores has done. He has his players around and behind him. You know, he, he is the coach that we've all believed that we needed since Don Shula, you know, left, you know, sure there was Jimmy Johnson, Wassett, a couple guys here and there. But I feel... Best right now, saying that I think Brian Flores has his team headed in the right direction. And then we're heading into the most important offseason in franchise history. So I love that win. I know that some people were mixed on it because during the game, you thought maybe it would impact that fifth overall pick. It had no draft implications. So to sit there and watch the Dolphins go downfield, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've never in recent years felt that confident that they were going to go down the field and win that game, that that pass to Mike Jasicki. He just turns around and tells the, the fans to shush in Foxborough. First win since the Wildcat game. I mean, it was a great day. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. The perfect ending to the 2019 season. Again, a season that looked lost at one point. The Dolphins are heading in the right direction, and everyone should feel happy about that.
2: Well, think about how truly crazy this is. I mean, the Dolphins were a lot of sports books closed at 17 and a half point underdogs. And to win that game straight up, that's one of the biggest betting upsets we've seen in recent history. If you remember Buffalo beating Minnesota last year on the road, uh, that was another one. But, you know, if you bet a hundred bucks on the Dolphins to win this Sunday, you could have won up to a thousand bucks in return. So, you know it, it was one of those games where you expect the patriots at that time of the year to be playing their best football they're at their home stadium and they kind of came out and were flat and yeah they came and and did a typical patriot sort of thing to us and score at the, you know, with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. But then we answered that drive with a 13-play, 75-yard, three-minute and 29-second drive to win the game. I mean, that is it, – it does have a little bit of a wildcat feeling to me just in the sense that we caught them with their pants down and – we rarely ever see the Patriots in that type of situation.
0: House, like you said, I, I did not think there was any moment in that game where the Dolphins did not have a chance. I just felt like they were going toe-to-toe and even doing better than them in some phases of the game. And Tom Brady does not look like the same Tom Brady anymore.
2: No, he doesn't. Here, here's what I'll admit. After we ran the fake... After that didn't transpire, that's when I was like, okay, we're already pretty deep into our well of tricks. We've already ran all these fourth down plays and fake punts and fake field goals and stuff. The Patriots have to be ready for that. We just ran out of stuff. So after that, I was kind of like, well, here we go. Here's, you know, new England's going to kick it in the six gear and, and kick our butt. But after that, the, the defense made a stop. And every time, the Patriots have like two or three plays of momentum, we would have a stop there. And, the, you know, it was just one of those games where the Patriots just never really got anything going, and we're just never used to seeing that.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
0: And the offense, like you both mentioned, did really well, which makes it kind of confusing when we saw the news come through on Monday afternoon, Black Monday in the NFL, as they like to call it, that offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea was fired. And this came as a surprise to everybody, right? I mean, we saw the news come through that um, Tony Oden was fired on the defensive side of the ball, that Dave... The offensive line coach, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I butcher it every single time, was fired. And it was kind of like, okay, we see we see why. You know, Brian Flores wants his guys in. Uh, Odin was a holdover from Adam Gates' staff. We can see the logic behind it. And then all of a sudden, we see the tweet come through from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald and others that Chad O'Shea was fired. And it took everyone by surprise because the offense has looked. Pretty good this year. I mean, yes, uh, there were times where they struggled, but I think we all attributed that to the lack of talent the Dolphins had, the lack of run game, the lack of offensive line that the Dolphins had. But apparently Brian Flores has very high expectations for this offensive unit.
3: Yeah, I think that's what's crazy to me. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, but Chad O'Shea was a guy that, you know, he had this offense turned around, and when you look at it statistically at the end of the season, they still ranked 27th in the league. So clearly, Brian Flores, you know, we make jokes about Adam Gase and what he did and how he kind of hitched his wagon to some of those friends or assistants that he had. I mean, that guy, uh, you know, held on to Matt Burke, one of what we believe to be one of the worst defensive coordinators that we've ever seen here in Miami. We made jokes about him many times when he was here. The Dolphins had what many believed was a nice up-and-coming offensive coordinator, a guy that it seemed, again, that he turned this offense around from as dismal as it was earlier in the year. He got rid of him, and just like that, I mean, you see some teams around the league, you know, they're hesitant to even get rid of some of their head coaches right now uh, with a little bit of uncertainty there. Brian Flores at his press conference, you know, he kind of downplayed it and said they have to evaluate everyone. He's even evaluating himself. He mentioned how he should have thrown some more red flags. It later came out. He fired the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, and the safeties coach. You got to take your hat to Brian Flores, and I know a lot of people were up in arms because a lot of us, again, like myself, thought Chad O'Shea was a promising young offensive coordinator, and maybe he's going to go and go back to New England. Maybe he'll follow Josh McDaniels wherever he goes, but at the end of the day, he thought that this offense could have done a lot better than being 27th ranked in the league. He felt like that was an Achilles heel, and you got to tape your hat to Brian Flores. He's done enough throughout this year that we should all, you know – Trust the process and trust what Brian Flores is doing. I'm not sure who the next guy up is. I think you might have some idea there, Kanata. But I'm excited for the future of the Miami Dolphins. And if Brian Flores says, you know what, Chad O'Shea, you're just not the guy. I'm sorry. We have to move on. I fully support that move, no matter how
2: I felt prior to today. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean, it's, it's mixed emotions for sure because we saw the improvement in the offense towards the end of the season. So there's that natural kind of – recency effect where it's you know we saw production so why are we getting rid of the guy and we know the obstacles that surely were overcome in a variety of situations Uh, but we also have some information that was to say that Chad O'Shea was a good wide receivers coach And it just kind of speaks to the Peter principle of someone getting a promotion to that next thing, Uh, you know, that previous job they did very well. And then when you promote them, expecting them to be able to kind of plateau like they did at their last position, they're not able to do that. And maybe that's the case here. And uh, simply put that he's a great, phenomenal wide receivers coach and he's a good person and he was part of the you know part of a staff with brian flores since 2009 so there's no way this decision was made lightly but at the end of the day you know i i trust someone you know if i've worked with matthew and Houts for 11 years on a podcast and i decide to get rid of them you better trust me
0: so here's the thing that we've been hearing about chad O'Shea and jerry Shaplinsky over at pro football network um we, we had seen a tweet come through when everyone was speculating and all this and that. And we had seen Joe Marino from the Draft Network tweet something about Jerry Shaplinsky possibly you know, because of his ties to Josh McDaniels and the fact that Josh McDaniels had the inside track for the Cleveland job or one of the other jobs out there. And the fact that Jerry Shaplinski was going to go to the Colts with Josh McDaniels for the offensive coordinator position, the Dolphins actually fired Chad O'Shea because of the fact that they wanted to keep Jerry Shaplinsky. So uh, we have Ben Albright as... You all know who follow us on Twitter at PFN365. We have Ben Albright, we have Tony Pullman, we have others who are connected to the Dolphins in some shape or form. So that's when I went into our Slack channel and I said, Hey Ben, hey Tony, uh, hey Matt, Infante, our co owner, and who you guys probably know on Twitter as well. What do you have for us? You know, what are you hearing down in Miami? And uh, Ben comes back with, Yes, what Joe said is correct, that the Dolphins are trying to protect Shaplinsky. Infante came back with the fact that, Yes, that is correct, that they. Value developing quarterbacks more than, you know, Chad O'Shea is, you know, not in that vacuum, but in the total sense, the whole total package, you want someone who can develop quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. And Jerry Shaplinski is known for doing just that. He had a key role in developing guys like uh, Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo over in New England before they traded them both away. But, uh, you know, that's why the Dolphins made that move. And then uh, about an hour later, I got an email from Tony Pauline who had stated that he had sent a text to someone in the organization and and or connected to the organization in some shape or form. And that the feeling was that as you mentioned, that while Chad O'Shea was seen as a very good wide receiver coach, the fact of the matter is that some people inside the building did not view him as a very good offensive coordinator. So you put all those people I'm sure there were other issues as well. Uh, Chris Hoffman, our friend over at Three Yards Per Carry, also put together a string of tweets that may uh, have hinted at some unrest within the organization in terms of the philosophies and the quarterback philosophies and and, um, Chad O'Shea being the guy who was pounding the table for Josh Rosen on draft night for the Dolphins to trade for him. And perhaps that Chad O'Shea wanted Josh Rosen to start while Brian Flores was insisted on Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. And it could just be this whole philosophical disagreement that they have that led it to his dismissal. We'll see where Chad O'Shea ends up. I'm sure it may be somewhere on Josh McDaniel's staff. But we see these media reports lamenting the loss of Chad O'Shea and how it's going to hurt the Dolphins. And based on what everything we've heard tonight, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge, huge loss for Miami. you got to give Brian Flores credit. This was a guy who he had worked with. For many, many years in New England, Chad O'Shea made the jump to Miami to come with him, and after one season, he is out. Brian Flores holds very, very high standards, and it's great to see.
2: I have one last thought on the subject. And basically what we saw in this situation, and this is kind of new information to me, because I had always been under the impression that uh, you cannot deny an assistant coach from having an interview with another team for a promotion. But what I'm finding is that in reality, that rule is not very strictly enforced. And in fact, it seems to favor the teams more often with, you know, they're able to get semantic with what they call people and there's stuff built into people's contracts and stuff like that. So, really what you see is that there's just head coaches and everybody else. So someone like Shuplinsky who you know what what the kind of common theory is here is that we had to promote basically Chaplinsky because he would have been the de facto offensive coordinator and whatever McDaniels, wherever he goes, he was going to be the offensive coordinator of that staff. So we wanted him for ourselves. So we had to make a choice between Chad O'Shea, who had his effect on the offense, however positive you may view that. And the Dolphins valued Shuplinsky and his work with the quarterbacks, knowing how important the tutelage of our rookie quarterback is going to be whenever that may be 2020 or 2021. It doesn't really matter. We wanted Chaplinsky and we valued that over O'Shea. So there is that, but it was not, it was something that the dolphins could have prevented, but I will end this in saying that I do not believe a, 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 quality organization is going to prevent coaches from seeking promotions. I just think that's a douchey move. So I'm glad that the dolphins played it the way that they are. If, if this is, you know, the true landscape of the way that the decision was made, I agree with it because I would not want to deny Shaplinsky the opportunity to go to a different team and play that card. Uh, I I just feel better about the way it turned out this way. And this is really a hard decision amongst men that all know each other. These are all guys that know each other. So I'm sure this was not something that was just somebody was blindsided with, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I
0: mean, go ahead.
2: I I think you're absolutely right with
3: the way that it was handled because, I mean, you mentioned it, these guys are friends, you know, they've been together for what, 11 years. They, they've, You know, they they built this bond, this chemistry together, and you're absolutely right. You know, they could have blocked Szaplinski from getting an offense coordinator position. They decided against that. They decided that, you know, he's more valuable to this organization. He's the future offense coordinator. He's the guy that's going to, you know, help get that rookie quarterback to the next level over what Chad O'Shea did this year. And we don't sit there. We don't know exactly what Chad O'Shea had his hands on. But from the outside looking in, you know, the receiving core was very good. And obviously a lot of that had to do with Carl Durrell more than maybe Chad O'Shea. Based on what, you know, he had the experience there in New England, he worked with their wide receivers. We thought when he came over here, you know, he'd have valuable knowledge to help, you know, get a Devontae Parker to the next level. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Brian Flores didn't see it that way, but again, you're absolutely right. You know, they could have absolutely blocked Szaplinski from getting another, uh, again, offense coordinator position or even interviewing for one. He chose the right way. He chose to let go of Chad O'Shea. chose to promote from within by many reports, and again, you just got to trust That Brian Flores knows what he's doing. He keeps saying he's doing what's best for the Miami Dolphins. This move seems to be that way. Shaplinski was with uh, the New England Patriots, an offensive assist from 2013 to 2015, then the assistant quarterbacks coach from 2016 to 2018, and then that's when he came to Miami as the assistant quarterbacks coach. Again, he was eventually going to take over, eventually go with Josh McDaniels to Indy and become his offense coordinator. He was the next man up, and I think all along that's kind of how the Dolphins envisioned this, and It sucks for Chad O'Shea. You hope he lands on his feet. I'm sure he will. He'll land somewhere, whether it's back in New England or, you know, maybe he follows Josh McDaniels. But the Dolphins did what is best for the Miami Dolphins and their future at the quarterback position. And you got to tip your hat to Brian Flores for doing the right thing in a respectable manner.
0: One thing that Brian Flores will also have to deal with besides finding this new offensive coordinator, whether or not he's going to promote Jerry Szaplinski, which all signs point to the fact that he is, is something on the player side of things, and that's Xavier Howard, who was arrested over the weekend for a domestic violence, alleged domestic violence dispute. According to the police report, it read something such as he was uh, getting into an argument with his fiancee, I believe it was, and over a purse that uh, he did not know about that was purchased from the police report. And correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but he had grabbed her by the arms and then pushed her, and then she fell. And uh, as a result, she called the police and then he was arrested, booked out on bonds. And now he will be subject to suspension and to begin the 2020 NFL season could see something. Probably will see something based on how strict the NFL is coming down with this kind of thing. But certainly not acceptable if it is all uh, if it all comes true. And again, it's all alleged right now. But even if he is acquitted of this, the uh, possible suspension will still applies still apply under the personal conduct policy within the NFL. Not a good look for the team's highest player, and for the face of basically this team in Xavier Howard.
3: Yeah, I yeah. hate this. I mean, I hate to see this. It's a guy that you know he got hurt. He's been banged up throughout his career. A lot of people. You know, they, they don't really agree with maybe that contract extension when the Dolphins gave it to him. I think it was the right time because, you know, he needed to get under contract before he broke out in the the following year and, you know, exceeded expe- expectations. But this is just something that you never expected from Xavier Howard for how, you know, family oriented Brian Flores seems to be. You saw him in his press conference. He wasn't going to make any rash decisions or even comment on the situation until he gathered all the information, until he got to sit down with Xavier Howard and the rest of the Dolphins organization. I really don't know how the contract plays out. I don't know. Obviously, there could be a void in there at some point, you know, for issues like this, but it's just not something that you want to see from your superstar cornerback that you just gave a monster deal to. A guy that, again, he was on crutches. You know, everyone makes fun of Tua. He was walking like a pimp with a cane in one hand and he was walking around what seemed to be just fine. Xavier, Howard was on dual crutches, you know, so aside from the knee and the concerns there, I mean, what he did off the field, you never want a player, you never want anyone to lay their hands on a woman for, to be your star player, you know, battling through this knee injury on injured reserve, you know, in hopes of, you know, being ready for 2020. This is not the type of, this is not the type of player that Brian Flores on the surface seems to want in the Dolphins organization. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, how how great he views you know, the, Xavier Howard's skill set compared to this issue, and you know it's it is Xavier Howard's first incident. We don't know all the details. Things are going to continue to unravel, but it's something you hate to see from your shutdown corner. And I I don't I, I don't wish to be Brian Flores to have to make that decision because again, Xavier Howard is one of the best defensive backs in football.
2: Yeah, just all around unfortunate situation and i i won't speculate because i wasn't there i don't know what happened that night just hope that there's some type of uh positive outcome to this event
0: that will be a question for the dolphins to address as we head into the 2020 offseason which brings us to our next and final point for this edition of finsider radio and that is what will the Dolphins do in free agency in the NFL draft? Chris Greer in a season ending press conference long. Brian Flores said that with the money that they are going to use in free agency, they're going to be smart. They're going to be judicial. They're going to make sure that the players they get are the right fit for this team. And they are not going to go crazy spending crazy money if they don't have to. Uh, I think we're going to see a different approach to free agency, a calculated approach to free agency, uh, an approach where we now know what kind of players Brian Flores wants on this team Obviously, you need to be versatile. You need to have the durability to last and to play through injuries and to be a tough you know, player on that field, on and off the field, and to be a leader and to be a smart football player. You need to have a high football IQ to play in Miami under Brian Flores. So, you know, you could start crossing off people right right away. You need to have a clean record probably off the field, although they have been known to give second chances. But those seem more like the uh, low-risk, low high-reward type situations where you're signing a guy off, off the waivers or signing him as a free agent to a very low contract. Look at a guy like Preston Williams, for example. I don't think they're going to be throwing a ton of money to guys in free agency who have proven to have off-the-field uh, rap sheets and poor records off the field. So we will have an idea of what to expect, but it is still also unpredictable in terms of how it's all going to play out. Dolphins need a lot of help. Offensive line, defensive line, secondary, running back position. I think, uh, think they're set at quarterback until the draft. I think they're set at wide receiver. I think they're set at tight end. But everything else after that is pretty much on the table. And then, of course, the NFL draft pick in fifth. And then we have the 18th pick from the Steelers. And then we'll see when the Houston Texans pick shakes out. We'll have three first-round picks. Could one of those picks at number five be the chosen one? to Tua Tagovailoa. What do you boys think?
2: Okay, let's just stick with Tua right now. And I know you've said a thing or two about Tua recently, especially yeah. in the Pro Football Network mock draft. So yeah. I will, I'm will. i going to throw this both to you guys right now. I'm going to throw out some betting odds to you. Throw okay. it. And uh, keep in mind, these are – unfortunately, bets are going to close at 8 o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning. But – Here's the way Vegas is looking at this, which is kind of interesting. So here's a question. How many quarterbacks are selected before Tua in the 2020 draft? Over or under two and a half. So the over two and a half is minus 105 and under two and a half is one, minus 135. So that means that the under two and a half is a favorite right now. But it's still a relative coin flip right now to Vegas, whether there will be two or three quarterbacks drafted before Tua. Uh, So if you are thinking Tua is a Miami Dolphin, are you going to go ahead and throw some dollars on this most delicious wager?
0: That's tough because we don't know. No one knows how Tua's medicals are going to check out. We don't even know he's going to declare for the NFL draft yet. So that's a. I would probably throw a few dollars on it if betting was legal in Connecticut. But uh, I'm that, not breaking the bank for that.
2: There, there's actually a prop on whether Tua's in the 2021 draft, and it's that's plus four plus 400 for yes, minus 600 for no. So that means a overwhelming favorite for no, which means that he would be entering this draft. Uh, yeah. But again, this is completely all conjecture based on what Vegas is saying right now. Yeah, yeah I think so t-
3: I, I think go I'm going with the under. I mean, Joe Burrow's going number one overall. I think maybe you know Justin Herbert might get drafted before him. You know, maybe, but I think that Tua should absolutely probably go before. Um, you know, b- before Jordan Love, correct? So for me, okay, I think... So,
2: yeah, so let's just, let's go down that road. If Joe Burrow, let's just say he's one, who's quarterback two before Tua? And then who would be quarterback three before Tua? Uh, Herbert,
3: I mean, for yes. me, I think Herbert and Jordan, two, Jordan Love.
2: Herbert number two, yeah. Herbert and
3: Jordan Love would be the only other two, right? I mean, even if Jake Fromm comes out, you don't think he's going anywhere close to, yeah, to no. there. I mean, it, there's a lot... A lot throughout the draft process, but I, I mean, I like those odds. I think if Tua declares, there's no reason why he doesn't go at least top five because you know, everyone keeps reporting he is the Dolphins' guy, you know, he has been all along. And we know this organization, they're very tight lipped. I, I don't truly believe that people know for certain that Tua has been this guy, but I think it was Rich Eisen reported he heard at the draft two years ago that the Dolphins were enamored by this guy. To me, as long as he checks out medically, which we know the Dolphins' history. I think he has to be that guy at five. And I think I got to ask you guys, if you're on the clock, is there any way you pass on Tua? And if you do at five, who is the guy that you're taking? Because to me, the quarterback is the most important position. They love Ryan Fitzpatrick. It is the perfect, you know, you draft Tua, you sit him out almost the entire 2020 season. You build this team the right way. And then in 2021, he comes right in with an offensive line, with a defensive line, with the receivers, with the tight ends, with a running back. I mean, They're ready to compete in 2021, assuming Tua is healthy. I mean, to me, it just makes too much sense. And it's going to be hard, you know, if Isaiah Simmons is there, Jeffrey Okada, especially depending on what the Dolphins do with Xavier Howard, like we mentioned. You know, he's a guy that they could draft there. Derek Brown, there's so many elite players that are going to be available at five. But to me, to me, it would be so hard to pass on Tua. And then there's the the thing that, you know, maybe us fans – we're overhyping Tua. You know, maybe NFL personnel and the scouting departments and teams front offices, maybe they don't think he's going to be a top-five player. Maybe they they see too much risk there. And, you know, every year we have a guy that you sit here and you say, oh, he's going to be a top-ten pick. And he falls to the later part of the first. I mean, could that be Tua? There's so much uncertainty surrounding him. But I will say this. That video that came out today with him walking with one crutch, I don't know. Some people were down on that. and Maybe they felt a little bit, you know, negative towards that to me. Based on his progress, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but I to see that, I mean, you have to feel some kind of, you got to feel optimistic that he's going to eventually recover, even if he's at 75. percent To me, he is the number two quarterback easily, if not better than Joe Burrow. To me, you pulled the trigger at number five, and and two is my guy. I mean, I, I would draft two at five. What about you guys?
0: I would, and uh, yeah, so. I had put out a tweet a few weeks ago saying that I didn't think the Dolphins would be going after Tua. And I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago here on the show too, that I thought they'd be going in the trenches. And while I still think that's possible, I was told shortly after from a source that gave me the same information about Brian Flores would be the next head coach. while pretty much no one else had that except a few other people. He had said that I was wrong, that the plan of what is Tua has always been Tua and will be Tua. And then I was told from someone else who's also given us some very good information within the organization, is that as long as the medicals check out, Tua is the pick in the first round. So obviously, one, he needs to enter the draft. Two, his medicals need to check out. But all signs right now point to Tua Tagovailoa being the pick for the Miami Dolphins at number five overall. The only thing you have to worry about is someone jumping them. But in the same breath, unless his medicals come back perfectly clean and people say he's going to be the same person he used to be, I don't see a general manager risking his job and trading away all, a lot of picks because you know it's going to be a premium a uh, pick to move up to get a quarterback, especially like Tua. I, I don't foresee a general manager risking all of that for a guy who may not ever be the same again. But for the Dolphins who are sitting there at five, who also have two other first-round picks, I can certainly see them taking this risk.
2: I mean, that's that's the big question, risk. And I'll throw out one more Vegas-related context to this. And it's under or over the 19th and a half spot in the draft. So, in other words, is he going to be drafted before 19 is minus 110. So, if you think he is going to go number five, you are going to absolutely crush this bet. 14 spots to go so if you are buying the inclination that Tua is going to be the Dolphins draft choice at number five I recommend you get on that as soon as you possibly can anyway there is risk to this though and I I want everybody to just take a step back for a second and realize that there that this is a young man still going through a very serious healing process which involves projection which involves a medical staff which doesn't involve us because I was never part of medical school at any point in my life other than watching uh, shows about it and stuff like that so it's when you are in a position (laughs) of drafting multi-million dollar players with multi-million dollar expectations then you might look at risk a little bit differently and if the dolphins medical staff is untrustworthy as they may be unfairly as they may be based on what happened with Drew breeze but say this dolphins medical staff comes in and says you know what this i i'm not real sure about this recovery and how it's going to go Don't you have to take that into account when you're drafting at number five? Maybe he falls down to 18. We still hit our bet. It's still under 19 and a half, and we just draft him with the Steelers pick. That would be kind of crazy. But um, picking in the top five, I mean, you have to get somebody for your program that you can really trust uh, to to steer the direction of it. So if it is Tua, then – I applaud the Dolphins for their conviction, and I will trust them in doing so, and I will root my ass off like I would for any other player that they that they draft at five. But if they do not select Tua at number five, you have to appreciate that and know that it's not coming from a place of, hey, I, I don't want to take the risk necessary to win – I, there's enough risk that I'm rolling the dice that we might actually blatantly lose in this type of situation. So, I I I couldn't I couldn't fault the dolphins for passing either to be honest with you.
0: I would be admit- mildly shocked if they passed.
3: I would too, but I mean, you're right, and who's to say that the Dolphins don't draft him, and I mean, sure, some good things have happened to us this year, you know, we found our head coach, they won five of their last nine games, you know, the Dolphins are starting to trend in the right direction, but would it not be so Miami Dolphins, and I hate that I'm even saying this, but that they draft to a... And something happens, you know, it doesn't work out. And then we're sitting here, you know, questioning why they didn't draft Jordan Love or whoever's out there, you know, performing. And as a top five quarterback, I mean, it would just be so Dolphins for them to go out there and get the guy that we so, we we love and we think the team covets. And then it's just a blow up in our face. I do think that you're right, Sutton. I think that they're going to do their due diligence. If they pass on him, they pass on him for a reason. But I do think, you know, if they don't draft Tua Tungvalu at five, they're going to regret it for many, many years. And I just fear that, you know, somehow... Bill Belichick trades up and makes, you know, gets him to be the predecessor to Tom Brady. And we are just sitting here in the same situation 10, 15 years from now wondering why the hell we, you know, we took a Justin Herbert or, you know, they drafted a uh, a defensive tackle instead of the quarterback that was right there in their face. I mean, we just got, I mean, the biggest thing here is he has to declare. I mean, we're sitting here talking about Tua and we all want Tua and, you know, Twitter loves Tua. But no one is certain whether or not he's coming out. He's even hinted, you know, on social media, little hints here and there, being a little cryptic that maybe he is returning. I don't see it that it's in his best interest. But again, we're not the doctors. You know, we don't know how his draft value is being viewed right now. But I do think the Dolphins, through back channel, should go right to, you know, go to whoever they need to talk to and say to a ton of hello, if we are on the clock at five, we are going to take you. And if someone else is going to take you, you know, everyone keeps saying someone's going to leapfrog the Dolphins. The Dolphins have the most draft capital in this draft. I think they might have the most, you know, in in recent memories. So the Dolphins, you know, if a team's going to trade up to Detroit, Detroit would be wise to call the Dolphins and say, you know what, we're being offered this. Can you match it, or can you exceed that? And the Dolphins, if they believe Tua is their guy, should do whatever it takes to get him. I know that that isn't, you know, some people think that it's not in their best interest to do so. At the end of the day, if they think Tua is their quarterback, if you have to move up to get him, which, again, I don't know if you do, you do that at all costs. Tua, if he is the guy, make it happen. Do whatever it takes.
0: We'll see all of this play out. All of this play out over the next few months, and it's going to be very fascinating to watch And it's all going to come to a head in Las Vegas in the 2020 NFL Draft. And I'm planning on going. I know a lot of other Dolphins fans are planning on going. And it's going to be absolutely incredible to all be down there and to watch on TV from wherever we are and talk about it afterwards. And really, this team is headed in the right direction based on what we've seen this season. We know the NFL is year to year. We know that things can change oh so quickly. But I think we all have a very good feeling about the direction this franchise is headed in. Before we wrap up the show, we have some sad news. Aaron Sutton.
2: I love you guys. This is my last show. And just want to thank everybody that was involved. And I can't believe we've been doing this show for, what, guys, like three years?
0: It's been a while. I don't know how long.
2: It's, it's, it's been a while. It's
3: been a while. It's
0: been a while.
3: It's been a while since I could.
0: Are you going to cry, Sutton? I'm that that was trying my stand I'm, voice. Thanks yeah. for telling
3: me I was crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that wasn't no. even me. <laughs> it's been a while since I could hold my head up high.
2: But Couts <laughs> does sound like a crying cat. Uh, <laughs> while, while he's, Sorry for that. While he's singing, yeah, so thanks. I'm sure Adeline is going to um, be raised to have a great tone of voice. But anyway, Um also want to say... I know it's natural to see the Dolphins 14 picks and assume that might trade up and do all this kind of stuff like keep in mind that this is this is serious draft capital that we can materialize into more and that's not to say that we need to uh, trade down and, and have 30 picks. I'm not getting at absurdo here but if we can trade, picks for next year and have better business decisions based on the trade that we make, say we, you know, have a team that wants to trade up from the bottom of the fifth to the top of the fifth. And they're going to give us a, a, next year's fourth for it. That's a type of, that's a type of draft pick that, you know, that's a trade that I'm going to accept. And I just want dolphins fans to be cognizant of the fact that maybe it's smart to trade down in the 2020 draft and not trade up uh just because we have the picks doesn't mean that we need to compile them together you know what i mean so let's see how the board falls and let's have fun man it's in vegas 2020 a lot of good stuff's gonna happen and again appreciate everybody for their support with all my work on the Finn Cider. and I'll look forward to a lot more interactions going forward
0: you didn't really say like what the news was, though.
2: Yeah, I did. I said this was my last show. He'll just be like
3: back. That. He'll be back. Just if like, we if like we that. if we round ourselves together to do one at the beginning
2: of the next year, uh, he'll be back. I mean, this is my last show. Where, where are you 6, going? Sutton? Where you? Where are it's you going, Sutton? So my last show for 2019, and then I'll probably <laughs> have us on the show next week. And well, then, which, where, where are
0: you going? I just won't be
2: initially with the Sider. I'm going to be focusing my work at the Pro Football Network and spending time with some some growing boys who are uh, eating me out of house and home.
0: This is a sad day in Sider radio
2: history, boys. Very sad day.
0: I know House is working behind the scenes to line up the next person to replace Sutton, although no one can really replace Sutton. But uh, we'll have more information on the new and revamped FinSider Radio coming in just a few weeks. Any last thoughts, Sutton and House?
3: I'm going to miss you, Sutton. Fin's up. Fin's up.
0: Fin's up.